Angie's List is now Angie. Summer is the perfect time to book your next home project. From lawn care to a new patio, Angie makes it simple to connect with pros who can get the job done right. See reviews, upfront pricing, and instantly book hundreds of projects. Plus, when you book and pay through Angie, we'll cover your project up to the full purchase price, plus limited damage protection, with our happiness guarantee. Check out Angie.com, and for more on the happiness guarantee, go to Angie.com forward slash happiness hyphen guarantee dot htm. All right, do you want to go on to your next story? Sure. Okay, right. so this is my true crime. All right, cool. And this is the murders of Pam and Eric Ellender. Okay. And I had never heard of these, but boy, this sounds like something I should have heard of growing up. All right, and I, it's so funny because I, I think I, I, I sent you some suggestions, but I don't even remember what I suggested. So this, this story does not ring a bell. It will when you read it. But uh-huh. Right now, I'm like, I'm like, who the hell are these people? I have no idea. So go on. So my sources for this were also Unsolved Mysteries. Really? What? Big surprise. <laughs> KPLC TV. Okay. And Fletcher Marple, FletcherMarple.com. That is legit the name. Marple, huh? Love it. Fletcher Marple. That's a mouthful. <laughs> Fletcher it Marple. It sounds like, did, did your mom ever do that thing where she didn't want to curse in front of you, so she made up curse words? No. She, she cursed straight in my face, so. Oh, see, I do that for my kids, too. But my mom would make up words, and this sounds like something that she would have said. <laughs> Fletcher Marple. Fletcher Marple. Did you ever see the movie um, Johnny Dangerously with Michael Keaton? I don't think so. It sounds familiar. It's like it's it's an 80s movie in which it was set in the 50s. He played like a gangster um, and Johnny Dangerously, and there's a, a, a mobster in there who doesn't know how to cuss, but he's like supposed to be like from some like some Spanish country. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying like, and I guess because I think it was PG-13, I think at the time, but instead of saying like, um, uh, fucking bastard, he says, uh, Fargin bastage. 
And so all of his curse words are unique, weird uh, takeoffs. So that's what I remember when it comes to like. Not those are great. Cussing. Yeah. So uh, uh, check those out when you get a chance. All right. So Pam and Eric Ellender. Mm-hmm. Um, they married young. Okay. And Eric went to work for Pam's father pretty, pretty quickly. A year after their marriage. Oh, I scrolled and now I lost it. Oh, no. We're so professional here. Come back. Where'd you go? Uh, Nope, stop it. There it is. All right. I'll get there eventually. (laughs) (laughs) A year after their marriage, Pam gave birth to their baby girl. They were really happy. They were just like this perfect, complete family. Pam really loved being a stay-at-home mom. That was really what she had wanted to to grow up to be, was a stay-at-home mom. Okay. So she would walk with the baby to her parents who lived down the street, I guess, or not too far. She'd walk to their house every day to visit with the baby. Oh, nice. So at 8.45 p.m. on February 11th of 1991, Eric called Pam's mother to let her know that he was coming home from work. And Pam headed home about a half hour after that. So she would have been heading home around 9.15 p.m. Okay. Okay. The following afternoon, Pam's father, Huey Littleton, received a call at work from his mother, from his mother-in-law? Did I write that right? Maybe. He received a phone call from somebody he's related to. All right, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And and they said, Huey, I just left Pam and Eric's and something's wrong. They're in their bed. I'm back at your house. Call the sheriff. Weird, okay. So when Huey got to the house, the sheriff asked him not to enter the property. And that's when he learned that both Pam and Eric had been fatally shot in the head with a shotgun and their car had been stolen. Oh, damn. Their daughter had been left unharmed, thankfully. So four young men had been seen driving the car around Baton Rouge the next day, one of whom was 18-year-old Chris Prudhomme. Police arrested him and he quickly confessed under oath to the killings. Okay. He he described the murder in detail and he said that he had no remorse. Wow. So raisin. from from what I gathered, the detail that he gave made it that there was no doubt that he did this. Okay. Although we've seen from like making a murderer that people can confess and cops will say, Oh look, that's exactly what happened. Gotcha. Not really. Ah, really uh, okay. But I think in this case, he probably did. (laughs) So oddly, the young man shortly after that was found hanging in the jail shower. This is about 17 days later. So a little over two weeks, he hangs himself. The Chris guy, right? Yeah. Which is interesting because he had confessed and Uh he said that he had no remorse and he gave them all these details and then he hangs himself, which is a little unusual. Yeah, that is unusual. I'm not sure if I'm pointing to conspiracy or not, though. Right. He had left a suicide note in his cell that took sole responsibility for this for the deaths, and he stated, I enjoyed very much in the taking of those two individual lives. Which is unusual wording. Isn't, yeah. I enjoyed very much in the taking of those two individual lives. Who talks like that? Uh, hipsters? It, okay. These are not hipsters. These are <laughs> Satanists. Uh, oh, well, okay. Satanists are <laughs> So maybe just, it's a Satanist thing. Yeah, Satanists, <laughs> are, Satanists are just godless hipsters. That's all. 
or at least it's Satanist according to early 90s stuff, which uh, was still part of that satanic panic thing. And yeah. God forbid you liked black makeup or anything. Right. Heavy metal music or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So to the sheriff's, sheriff's office, this case was closed. There was really nothing else that they needed to do. They had the confession. The guy killed himself. The end. In the case. But yeah. to Pam's father, Huey, this was really far from over. He had a whole lot of questions that he felt that had gone unanswered. And as a licensed private detector, he began... A private detector, that sounds dirty. He's a human detector. I said that wrong. <laughs> I think you just created a new job, actually. That's what dogs are for. They're private detectors. <laughs> it's not a human job. I mean, I'm sure somebody out there will pay to have somebody be their private human detector. People pay for other people's used bath water, so I'm, it wouldn't surprise me. That's disgusting. It's a thing. That's so gross. People are weird. People are... Everybody's got a thing. <laughs> Didn't you do the story about the guy who had paid somebody to come brush him with a broom? Oh, yeah, yeah. Some some weird sadist guy wanted two guys. It was like some sort of fantasy. Two guys to break into his house. Uh, he'd be tied up on the bed wearing only his tidy whities And they wanted, to, they wanted, he wanted them to take a broom handle and rub it on the outside of his tidy whities <laughs> Yeah. The, the kicker, Everybody's got something. <laughs> the kicker to that story is the guy's... The two guys he hired broke into the wrong house. So. Right, right. I remember <laughs> yeah. what you said, and they're like, oh, shit. Sorry, bye. So, all I imagine <laughs> is this guy at his house tied up on his bed in his tidy whities for like six hours waiting for some dudes to show up, and he's just sitting there, have to, absolutely nothing going on, just the weirdest scene to stroll up on some dude in his tidy whities just tied up, just nothing happening. Didn't, didn't they get off, basically, with this, though, because they were able to essentially show that Prove this yeah. they were hired to do this it wasn't that they meant to do harm they were just role-playing yeah exactly they, they eventually they go well, because after after they left they they called the guy and eventually were able to get a hold of him and he's like no you dumbass it's the wrong house and so they were able to <laughs> tell the police that no it was a, it was a mistake i mean but still <sighs> anyway I, that, that story was so damn weird I, I still can't get past it i'm like just what like I mean, I, I mean, granted, now they they he 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 paid him like five grand. I think I said on the episode, I will I will charge five grand if somebody wants me to go and rub the outside of the underwear with a broomstick. I I will do that for five grand. I have no scruples about that at all. You're gonna get an email one of these days. That's fine. <laughs> Give me your money, y'all. I'll do that. I'll I will show up there. <laughs> That's the easiest five grand I ever made. So private detectors, huh? Yeah, private detectors. That's that's a new job now. So Huey was a licensed private detective. There's an important distinction there. Private yes, detective. Very important distinction. So as this detective, he began his own investigation that took him down these really unusual paths. Unusual is putting it lightly. Okay. So through his investigations, he claimed to have found several witnesses that said there was more to the story than the sheriff's office had found. And Huey came to believe that Prudhomme, Chris, had been a member and possibly the leader of a satanic cult called the Skaters, which is the dumbest, <laughs> the lamest acronym. And it supposedly stands for Satan's Kids Against the Establishment. Shut up. Which doesn't 
Then it's just. That's just skate. Skate. What is the? There's no. Where's the urs? Yeah, where's the urs at? There's no urs. It's so dumb. We're the skaters. <laughs> Fear us. <laughs> it's so I'm not sorry. intimidating. Yeah, I'm not afraid of any Satan called the skaters. It's like, it's like, get on your half pipe and shut the hell up. All right. I, when when he said that, it just sounds so made up, or it sounds like something teenagers get together and make up just to have fun, and they're not actually yeah. a satanic cult. They're just kids being dumb. It's not like something you hear like on like Parks and Rec or something. Uh huh. People think it's it completely really serious, but it's like no, it's it's it's, it's like what was the um um on the Simpsons? There was an episode where no, um, uh, Futurama. There was an episode where a group was formed against uh, television being rude. And they call themselves Fathers Against Rude Television. Ferd? Father, oh, Fard? Fart. Fart. Yeah. Wow, I, get, I see another thing. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it sounds like. Something they think is really serious and really cool, but they don't really realize how dumb it sounds when they uh-huh. put the acronym together. Yeah. What was the one on um, Parks and Rec? It was the, the men. Oh, no. What was the name of their group? It was so stupid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, damn it. Now I gotta go back and watch it. Thanks. Uh huh. That's what I'm doing tonight after this. Thanks. It's good. It's in the later episodes. It's like season six or seven. Okay. Go on, detective, so, detective skaters. Yes, a girlfriend of one of the skaters told Huey that the original plan had just been to burglarize the Ellender's house, but that Prudhomme and an accomplice had been quote tripping on acid, so they ended up shooting the couple with one of Eric's shotguns. Golly, that's horrible. Which, I don't know if you had those teenage years. I did. I would never have done something like that on acid. Yeah, that you don't, I don't, I don't know how. No, it will freak you out. You're not yeah. doing that stuff. That just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, because generally if you, that sounds like you wouldn't do it on a good trip because you'd be in Nirvana. And you wouldn't do it on a bad trip because you'd be too scared to even do anything. Right. Yeah. It makes no sense at all. It doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-mm. Not, I, no. I haven't done it in a long, 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 long time. Yeah, but get but that, get as that somebody on video. who's done it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Disclaimer. <laughs> so she went on to say that there, there had even been like a meeting the next day to discuss possible alibis for the accomplice. Okay. So Huey ended up interviewing over a hundred people about the murders. This really, it got big. Wow. One young woman was named Nikki Anderson. Nikki claimed that she had been invited to a party at a house that she'd never been to before. She actually ended up going on uh, mysterious universe or unsolved mysteries also. So she told this story on unsolved mysteries. Okay. Backing up what Huey's saying. She said that she went to this party at a house she'd never been to and that when she arrived, something about the party was kind of off. They're all just standing around, drinking, talking, and making different remarks about God. So it was weird. Yeah. She said, you you kind of feel from the vibes of people that something was kind of weird because everybody was in their own little world. Some were doing some drugs on the table and they had enough drugs on there where I could see from a distance what they were snorting. So she's at a party and there's definitely, there are definitely drugs involved. You don't snort acid though. I can definitely see something like this happen on cocaine though, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That makes more sense to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And acid. So she said she'd had no idea anyone that in the house was dead while she was there. 
she she hadn't had there was just not an inkling something was weird yeah but she wouldn't have ever imagined that this wasn't even their home it wasn't until she saw the house on the news the next day that she realized what had happened okay another witness to the party chip richard supported nikki's story and added some previously unknown details although he he'd never actually been at the house so i i don't uh, he witnessed the party but he hadn't been at the house okay interesting so there's a trigger warning here all right for um Oh, this is why he witnessed it. It's been a little while since I wrote this and I forgot. Yeah. Like I said, four and a half thousand years since we. Yeah. 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 So definitely fast forward. There is some sexually graphic stuff coming up. If you are not in the mood to hear it, you'll want to move forward a little bit. Okay. Chip claimed that multiple people had sexually molested the bodies of the deceased couple. He said there was video evidence of it somewhere um, of what had taken place that night. All right. So somebody not only killed them, but then decided to videotape what they were doing to the bodies. That's according to Chris. Chris also said that Prudhomme hadn't been the one to kill the couple, but he'd taken the fall for the group because he felt that he needed to as their leader. Now, again, not something I can see happening on acid, but definitely on cocaine. And... If that's the true, if that's actually true, I, I guess it'd make a little more sense as to why he hung himself because of guilt, or he didn't want to. He didn't want to be around when that actual evidence was uncovered. So, kind of seen that happening. Well, you would figure when they're doing an autopsy on what is clearly a um, pretty violent death, mm-hmm. and they find these bo- bodies in their bed. That they would notice something sexual had taken place. Uh-huh. But from what I saw, there was no mention from the police that there was anything sexual that had occurred. Okay. And he seems to be the only one that says it. Uh, from what I recall, okay. I get through my notes, but I'm pretty sure he's the only person that ever says that there was anything sexual that happened. Okay. He does say that there's video evidence of it somewhere, which would suggest that there's maybe a little more weight to his words. I just don't know. If you're if you're going to sexually assault them, they probably were not gentle about it. No. There would be evidence of that. Yeah. And um, I, I think, you know, and usually in, in cases like this, when, when the cops show up and see the bodies, if, if, if there was sexual abuse, there would be like, you know, the their, their nightgowns would be down or the covers would be back or they'd make, make some sort of note about the fact that it looked like sexual abuse had occurred. And if it didn't mention it before, then they probably just found him under the recover still. Right. Or you could see postmortem bruising or something. Right. Right. And, and even, even on cocaine, uh, or hell, even on like marijuana, you're not going to have the, the mentality to put their clothes back on and, and cover them back up. If you do something, uh, sexual to them anyway. So, well, and they didn't even care. I mean, they were videotape right. supposedly videotaping it. They're staying in their house, throwing a party. They don't care. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So continuing his investigations, Huey found Sean Moody who made some really interesting claims. He said that Bobby Adkins, who was another member of the group. And I think Bobby had been arrested with Prude home for the stolen car. Okay. So Sean says that 
Bobby had witnessed the murders. So he's pointing the finger at at least one other person that we can for sure say must have been there. Yeah, yeah. He said that Adkins had told him that Pam woke up as they were trying to rob the place, so Prudhomme shot her, which woke up Eric. So then Chris shot him, too. Oh, wow. So in his story, Chris does shoot both of them. Okay. But um, Bobby is witness to the murders, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's what you're saying. But we now have two contradictory stories regarding who shot Pam and Eric. Right. One is that Chris was the aggressor, which is from this guy. Right. And one is that he was simply taking the fall to protect his group, which came from another witness, one of the female witnesses. The plot thickens. So eventually, Huey interviewed Pearl Frug. She told him that her cousin, Kim Man- Manuel, Manuel? Manuel? Sure, Manuel. Close enough. Ha- had told her that she'd seen the murders take place. So this is another person that sees the murder take place. Huey asked Pearl to get her cousin's statement on record. So with permission from Kim, Pearl did record a conversation between the two the following day. This did, this did occur. Mm-hmm. On the tape, Kim described the murders in detail, though she never admitted to actually being in the house. Right. So either somebody gave her all the details or she actually saw it. Those are your only two. <laughs> yeah. It's either hearsay or it's not. Mm-hmm. So a grand jury indicted Kim on two counts of second degree murder, but her attorney claimed that the whole tape had just been a setup, that it was scripted and rehearsed with Pearl, so it was entirely fake, which is weird. Yeah. It's weird either way. I'm not sure why Kim would agree to talk to her cousin on tape. Yeah, that's... About murders. But I also don't know why they would agree to pretend that they murdered somebody. Well, I'm going to say that these quote unquote skaters, a lot of drugs, are probably not the brightest bulbs in the bunch. (laughs) (laughs) Might be onto something. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the the first inclination they weren't the brightest was the name skaters, but. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) That's the one you went with? (laughs) Really? Couldn't have called yourselves devil and found some way to make that one work or something. Did we not have a brainstorming session or we get too high and just pass out? What the hell happened? <laughs> Somebody was like, skater sounds really cool, guys. And everybody, <laughs> and everybody else was like, yeah. yeah. They were definitely tripping when they came up with that name. They were like, you know mm-hmm. what, man? We need to brainstorm, but you know what's going to help us brainstorm? Cocaine. Let's do it. <laughs> Isn't that what you used to brainstorm? That's right. Isn't that what you, you use to get through school? You know, <laughs> accurate. accurate. No, 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 <laughs> no lies. I don't do that. That's right. Ultimately, the charges against Kim were dropped because the, her lawyers had argued that it was coerced and that, or that it was fake, and they really couldn't prove anything. Four years after the deaths of Pam and Eric on February 9th of 1995, so this is almost four years to the day because okay. they died on February 11th. All right. Robert, Bobby Adkins, and two other men were indicted for the murders. And in 2012, he pled guilty to manslaughter and he was sentenced to 21 years. But it ended up getting shortened to just five and a half years because he'd already served time for the car theft, which to me just seems like crap. Yeah, they shouldn't get off for car theft versus murder. That, that no, those are two different things. Yeah, it doesn't equal out at all. No. 
yeah. system. The other two guys were Philip Le- Ledoux nice. and, and Kurt Reese. All right. So they just, they just, sh- oh my goodness, I can't say it. <laughs> they just served short terms. Too All many right. tongue twisters. I know. <laughs> <laughs> As accessories after the fact. Wow. Everybody got off of really light sentences in this, mm-hmm. in this damn case. Well, Except for Prudhomme who killed himself. Right. Well, I mean, he took the coward's way out, so. Huey Littleton, Pam's dad, passed away in July 2012. He believed that as many as 13 people were in the room when his daughter and son-in-law were murdered, which would be a little bit ridiculous. How do you sneak 13 people in? Yeah. Like, they would not have been laying in their bed just chilling. No, you, you can't. You can keep maybe three people quiet when they sneak in, but you can't keep 13 quiet when you sneak in. How big is that bedroom? Yeah, that too. I mean, you would have to, it, it would have to be completely premeditated in the fact that you would have to figure out a way to sneak some sort of drugs into the, to the couple's, like, food or drink to keep them passed mm-hmm. out. Because you can't, yeah, there's no way that can happen. No, it's just a ridiculous number. Yeah. So the sheriff's office never put a whole lot of stock in the interviews that Huey did, even though he was a licensed private investigator. He's just too close to this. Oh, and it's geez. really not surprising. There were just so many... Looking for a brew unique to you? Find it at Kroger. Discover distinctly different chameleon organic ground coffee with flavors like Guatemala and dark and handsome. They're so organic, so sustainable, and so good. Visit Kroger today to get yours. Conflicting accounts. There was there was no evidence of a party uh-huh. ever occurring at that home. Which, wow. if you had that many people okay. and there were lines of coke and stuff, there, there should be some kind of... And if they're not caring about leaving murdered bodies just chilling there. They're not caring about cleaning up their mess. It's not like they're going to go through and clean it and put it back to the way it looked before. No, yeah, absolutely not, no. Wow. There was never a discussion, like I said, anywhere that I could find that the bodies were sexually assaulted after the fact. Okay. So there was, from what I can tell, there's no evidence of that. So really a lot of what he got was just... It's some crazy stories and you wonder how he, he... got these or who might have been giving them to him and why yeah i think that huey was so heartbroken at what it was a horrible loss oh yeah it was awful i think that this just drove him to believe some really wild stories and uh, yeah Um, and and when you get uh, again like the last story when you when you get that inkling of something because you don't want to believe that humans are that bad so you so you get the inkling that it may be satanism, satanism is satanism is involved and you want to go with that way because it it takes the monster away from the human you know? uh, yeah so, i could see that yeah man so but then if you, if you go down that rabbit hole too much you end up missing the actual like evidence and stuff yeah i i mean i think it's pretty much confirmed that chris was in that room yeah they, they had the car right chris and bobby were two people that really knew what was going on for sure yeah they didn't just steal that car it's not like you happen to steal the car of somebody who's murdered the same night it, yeah that, that your luck is nobody's luck is that bad right well and it's chances are pretty good those keys weren't just chilling in that car they had to be inside that home to get the keys to get the car right and you, you didn't you didn't go in to steal the car the same night that some other random person went in to kill those people for no reason no. No. So it's pretty likely that Bobby and Chris at least were involved in this. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so 
has anybody at all been charged with this whatsoever? I mean, well, Chris, Chris committed suicide, right? Bobby, Bobby did get charged, but he got, was sentenced. Sorry, he was sentenced ahead. to 21 years, but it, it got shortened. Right, right. So nobody's doing so, life for this murder is what you're saying. Nope. Wow. Which sucks. Yeah. Because this was probably, when was this? What year again? 1991. So, yeah. So even if they'd done 20 years, they'd be out by like next year or whatever. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, the Bobby wasn't charged until 2001, I think. Oh, okay. It okay. took quite a while. It took almost a decade to get him. Holy shit. Charged. Wow. But he only ended up serving five and a half years or something like that. So he's already out. He's already out, right. Man. Wow. So, wow. So does it say if, um, if, uh, the private detective is still pursuing the case? He's deceased. Oh, he died. Yep. He died in 2019. Oh, damn. He died thinking that the cops really hadn't gotten the whole story and that yeah. they missed out on some important stuff, but wow. Wow. You know, and I, I do see uh, watching the unsolved mysteries. I do see a lot of like, they, cause they, when they put on on Amazon, they, they updated it to up to the date that they released the episode. So current as of last year. And there were a lot mm-hmm. of cases that were like that where the parents or whatever, or people involved were deceased and the case was still unsolved. Wow. Which is, it's sad because you feel like there's never really going to be justice. No. And, 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 you know, there's, there's no statute limitations on murder. Mm-hmm. I mean, but uh, if, if the case is quote unquote closed, the cops aren't going to do anything about it. You know, it's, it's not a cold case. And so somebody got away with it, you know, more or less scot free. sad when it happens it happens yeah. a lot yeah it does unfortunately oh man all right well very very fun i mean not fun as in like you know happy fun but like very i always love true crime true crime always always fascinates me because of how even even going through different serial killers it's it's amazing how different circumstances are mm-hmm. and it's like no two crimes are the same even amongst even amongst killers themselves. Oh yeah. Even if they have very set style. Right. Yeah. It's, it still it, differs from one to the next. Yeah. And so it, it it's, I, it, it sounds dark, but it's fun for me to, to hear, to read about these things because like I'm, I'm fascinated by like the dark side of human nature. Um, and the paranormal side of human nature as well. So, which sometimes go hand in hand. Yeah, it's very true. Oh. A lot of times. Yeah. It's where that's where a lot of the scariest paranormal stories come from. Oh yeah. Any, it's any, from any, the darkest sides of humanity. And and yeah, I mean a lot of the a lot of the um you know, old wives' tales or or, or cautionary tales are, are are super dark and that comes from the darker side of human nature. Especially if they were German or oh. Russian. Those two are messed up. Oh yeah. Absolutely. The the grim fairy tales are were super dark and full of death and killing and blood you know they definitely weren't disney princesses that's for sure i think it's great reading up on the old old uh mythology and lore because it is twisted yeah and even 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 greek mythology like we we were watching uh disney's hercules the other day for like the umpteenth time because you know i love that movie but like after 
I think like 10 years ago, I, I was uh, really getting deep into like the whole like idea of like the Titans and everything and, and how Zeus and, and then realizing how much like just cannibalism and, and inbred and, and, and uh, incest is involved in, in the gods. And then going back and watching that, that movie, I'm like, oh, let's, uh, they, I mean, talk about Disney fight. Disney, they, yeah. They Disney fight <laughs> the hell out of that story. <laughs> Yeah, they can't really show that Zeus came down and forced himself on women. That wouldn't go over very well no. for Disney. <laughs> no. No, or, or that uh, um, Hera, you know, forced Hercules to kill his family. That That's not really... Yeah. It's not really family friendly. No, kill your family, not family friendly. I, think yeah, I, I would agree. I guess it'd be like the opposite of family friendly. It'd be family not so friendly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new definition. <laughs> there we go. We made up a new job and a new definition on this show tonight. Human private detector and family not so friendly. Yeah, private detector. <laughs> I think you need to get stickers made of that now. Uh, no. <laughs> and yes. And yes, yes. They also have to be glittery, by the way, too. It just has to be like a dog nose private detector. Oh, my God. That's awesome. James and I recently discovered a podcast that we're now super obsessed with called Sword and Scale Podcast. Absolutely. It is the longest running true crime podcast, and it combines real audio and scary stories that will chill your bones. I love the real audio parts of the podcast. They're amazing. Yeah, the, the host and creator, Mike Baudet, expertly narrates each shocking episode to fully immerse listeners into a carefully crafted real-life story that proves that the worst monsters are real. It's spanning over seven seasons and has over 160 episodes. There's so much true crime to binge. Sword and Scale is available bi-weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe today and be sure to leave a review. That's Sword and Scale, also available at swordandscale.com. Subscribe today and give it a listen. Sword and Scale, proving that the worst monsters are real. All right, so the last story for the night is true crime. It's on Private Justin Burwinkle, U.S. Army. Burwinkle? Berg. Oh, sorry, Burgwinkle. Yeah, I forgot the G in there. Either way, it's still funny. Yeah, Burgwinkle. Uh, so Private Burgwinkle had a plan. He set his sights. Oh, again, again, let me go before I do that. My uh, resources again are Unsolved Mysteries, as we mentioned multiple times. Uh, unsolvedmysteries.com, unsolved.com, charlieproject.org, slash K, slash Justin Keith Bergwinkle. Um, Charlie Project is for missing people, right? Yes. And, of course, uh, YouTube, where I found a copy of the story of Unsolved Mysteries as well. Um, so, <clears throat> as I said, he had a plan. He set his sights on serving with an elite combat unit known as the Rangers. He served high served he scored high on his army tests and immersed himself in the language training his specialty was korean but three years after reporting for duty justin went awol or absent without leave and he vanished without a trace three months before he disappeared his car was found gathering dust in the parking lot of a motel his car keys were locked inside along with his wallet credit cards and military id to this day no one knows what happened to justin birdwinkle However, the person who was closest to him at the time, his girlfriend, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, uh, Yoland Antunis, it's kind of a cool name, had noticed an extreme change in Justin's behavior during the weeks prior to his disappearance. 
Justin was stationed at Ford Ford Ord in Monterey, California. Uh, that's where he met. I keep forgetting how to say this name. Yolanda, Yolanda, say Yolanda, a computer science student at Santa Clara University. <laughs> while he was on weekend pass, but before long, he was regularly driving eighty miles from Fort Ord to, to visit her. Now, after a while, she began to see signs of trouble uh, of Justin having a secret life, and this is how she would end up describing his behavior. All of a sudden, he would just stop what he's doing with me in the afternoon. He would just say, I'm sorry, but I have to go back to Monterey and see some people, but I'll be right back. And I'd say just like that, out of the blue. And then he would start to get more vague. I can't tell you, I, it, I really can't, can't discuss this with you right now. I'm doing something, you know, kind of secret, and I, I can't reveal it to you. After three years at Fort Ord, Justin was transferred to Fort Lewis and <clears throat> Justin was transferred to Fort Lewis in Washington state more than two months passed before he was able to take a two week leave and visit her. She recalls that Justin's unusual behavior continued. She said, Justin always had a briefcase with him. He was very secretive about it. He would never open it in front of her in front of her. That sounds very suspicious. Sounds like a, like a, like a mule kind of. It's a very, can you imagine somebody just carrying a briefcase around all the time? Like, no, you can't look. <laughs> especially, yeah, especially if you're wearing like like uh, board shorts and just like a, a, a tank top or something. You're still, yeah, there's like a, it a, makes a, me think of like the yeah, like the mule movies. Yeah, once upon a time in Mexico type thing. Where yeah, just walking around with a suitcase full of cash or drugs or something. Always got a leather suitcase on him, whether he's uh, wearing a suit or not. Uh huh. Just a speedo and still carrying a suit with him, the suitcase with him. Now, uh, there was a time when she kind of angled herself just to turn and look over her shoulder when he had this briefcase open to see if she could find out what was in it. Um, but she said when she looked, she said all she saw was that he was taking pieces out of the briefcase, um, just a few pieces at a time and shredding them in his hands and then throwing them back in the briefcase. And he would do that multiple times. That's not weird. That's what normal people do all the time. Oh, yeah. All the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, yeah. It, it, he, he sounds like he wants to be a spy, but he doesn't know quite how to be a spy. Because <laughs> I'm sorry, if you're if you're a spy, tearing a paper in half is not going to get rid of the evidence. Right. Yeah. Like he's role playing. Like, They'll never put it together after this. This message will spontaneously combust <laughs> in five minutes. <laughs> At least set it on fire, dude. Um. Whatever Justin was, whatever Justin was involved with, it seemed to be very out of control. And one day, she found him alone. She found Justin alone in the living room, sobbing. Later, there was a strange call. Um, she says that she answered only to hear a stranger's voice say, "The mission's off." He, he did want to be a spy. Uh, she asked the caller to explain what he meant, but he all it said was, "Just tell him the mission's off," and he hung up. Uh, after when she told Justin about the call, he reacted badly, storming through the apartment, shouting, damn it, damn it. And when she asked him who was involved, what he was involved with, he simply told her, you don't want to know. At the end of this visit, he returned to Fort Lewis and soon after he bought two handguns and more than a hundred rounds of ammunition. Then he failed to, he failed to show up at Fort Lewis and that's when he was reported as AWOL. Uh, he didn't make much of an effort to hide, though, because he showed up at her apartment. 
Uh, he insisted that, or she insisted that he call his parents and they urged him to contact the base. He did call the base and said that he would return, but he did not end up returning to Fort Lewis. And instead he remained at her apartment and resumed his secretive trips to Fort Horror. This dude is not letting go of the spy game very easily at all. It sounds like a really poorly orchestrated role-playing game. <laughs> oh my God. You're saying he's LARPing? Yeah. <laughs> he's hardcore LARPing. And something didn't go right, so he freaked out. So instead of like swords and shields, it's just briefcases and board shorts? There's a LARP for everybody. Apparently. You know, I've, I did not realize that. I thought it was just all fantasy LARPing, but you know. No, no. There are all kinds of LARP. Interesting. He seems to be taking bit too serious though uh when she pressed justin for an explanation again he referred her to white sands a suspense movie about the intrigue filled world international arms smuggling but justin wouldn't confide anything more about his activities then one day he just left her apartment and never returned and no one heard from him for about three months then his car was found in the parking lot of an isolated beachfront hotel near fort ord Justin's name did not appear in the motel register. His handguns were nowhere to be found. But surprisingly, his briefcase, his beloved, beloved briefcase, which he seldom let out of his sight, had been stashed in the trunk. Inside it was his wallet, and tucked into the wallet was his standard issue military dog tags. And based on what Justin had once said to her, she knew the dog tags were a bad sign. She said, we were driving down one time in his car, and Justin had his dog tags, and he said, do you know what they're for? I kind of had an idea, but I just said, no, no. What, what are they for? He says, well, when a soldier dies, they put it in his teeth so you can identify him. If you ever see these lying around, you know that means I'm dead. And he has not been seen since. Um, now, is he dead? Was he swallowed up by a shadowy role in gun running? Was, did he simply you know, get too far with his LARPing and, um, and just take off, disappear. No one knows. Uh, there is, I did find one interesting theory on uh, Reddit of all places though. So somebody posted this, I forget to get their name, but I'll give him credit later. Uh, he says, I'm former military intelligence officer. And this whole thing seems odd to me right from the beginning, failing language training for ranger school on account of a misdemeanor feels like it's missing something. I could be very easily wrong here, but I don't believe there's a language component to Ranger training. And if there were, and if he failed it, he should have been retrained. He should have retained his infantry MOS. The fact that he was a cook implies to me that he either had delusions of grandeur or liked to make up stories. Not to say the cooks weren't critical, just that it seems really like he should still have been in infantry. Moving on from that, when he seemed to be implying to her that he was really doing that what he was doing really isn't the military intelligence's wheelhouse i.e gun running especially during peacetime what it seems like to me is that he was being duped maybe by someone wanting some free handguns out of the deal uh mission missions canceled is not a message you would leave your super secret spy by his girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) it does sound like a larping thing though for sure it does doesn't it there are cover terms and stuff you use instead surely especially if his most significant milestone to that point was failing to shoplift. I'm not sure what that means. Whether he meant to disappear or not is less clear, but it also feels like he may have 
to me. Now, telling her that if she finds his ID tags, it means he's dead. And then her finding his ID tags seems too on the nose, especially it's since, setting the stage. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he actually did tell her what they're for, which is not that. Um, so, yeah, it seems like he really wanted to be a spy. It also sounds like he may. I don't know if I don't remember when that movie came out, but I don't know if you ever saw a movie called um, Under Siege with Steven Seagal. If it had Steven Seagal in it, I guarantee you I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, he was a cook who apparently was also former special forces. And so when his uh, submarine was is overtaken by terrorists, as a cook with special forces, it's his job to take down the terrorists. And so... I, wow, that sounds like a Seagal movie. <laughs> it's, it's like all his movies, it's horrible. I don't know if it came out before... Um, this or after, but it sounds a lot like, especially if it's a cook, it sounds like he would really wanted to be the Steven Seagal type of cook and be a secret spy. Yeah, it just, it sounds like it was really almost in his head. Like he had this idea that, or he was trying to give people the impression that he had was more important than he was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And especially like I can I can kind of get the the inkling that the papers in his briefcase were just like scenarios he had written down and when things didn't happen that way he tore them up to get rid of those scenarios but he had other scenarios that he was hoping would happen Mm -hmm. um but also the guy makes a good point uh he definitely told his girlfriend that so that he could when he decided to disappear he would leave his Mm -hmm. dog tag so he would have her think he's dead and she would stop looking for him it does make you kind of wonder if he found a way to get some other form of identification some other identity for himself if he left his wallet and his dog tags behind in that briefcase that he made sure people knew how important it was he's making it look like he's going missing oh yeah yeah i mean he's he's setting everything up to to have this really grand uh idea of him being either kidnapped or going missing there's no reason to suspect foul play in this i would say no not at all what what i find interesting is who he you know, maybe okay. If somebody was was playing a trick on him or was was having fun with this, I, I that's fine. I get that. I I could not think of another reason why someone would call to say the mission's off, unless he. I mean, because I don't know who he would convince to join him in his LARPing. Uh, other cooks that really wanted to be Steven Seagal, I guess, but it seems like a, a really long way to go for this type of thing. Have you never done a role play game? I've never done LARPing. I've played role play games before, but I know when I leave the table, that's when, right. it, that's when it ends. Some people take it really, really seriously, though. Oh. And if he's in some kind of a group where this is like, a, if it's more than just him, there might be other players in that. I also feel like if it's a, if it's a decent sized group, somebody should have come forward to say, hey, look, we, he was not a spy. We were in a, a LARP. Right. He took it serious. We need to find him. But the fact that nobody has has me wondering if he was, in fact, just duped by maybe one or two people. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he 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 would have had gone if, if he disappeared, he would have had to go somewhere out of country because when you go a wall, they actively look for you until they find you and bring you back to prosecute you and, and stick you away. So. The fact that he still hasn't been found it only leads to two conclusions. One, he was killed, probably with the handguns that he bought. Mm-hmm. Um, or two, that he disappeared and he's living somewhere in this different different country, perhaps. 
because there's no way he would not have been found alive if he was still living in the States, being AWOL. Yeah. Yeah. But it was still a really very just crazy, weird um, story because it, it is. It definitely seemed like he he made himself out to be more than he actually was, and he was too afraid to let go of that fantasy. Uh, so that is the very strange story of Justin Bergwinkle. It's just the, with the last name. Maybe he was trying to run <laughs> away from the last name. <laughs> it's not that hard to change it in court, bro. Just change your name in court. <laughs> it's like, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> it's so much easier than keeping up a front of being a spy for, for years. Yeah, but you don't really sound like a great spy when you're like, I'm Mr. Bergwinkle. What? What? Double O Bergwinkle? <laughs> you can. You know what? I would took him more seriously as a spy if he had changed his name from like Justin Bergwinkle to like Max Power or something. Right. That's a spy so name. So right nerdy, there. Max Power. Max Power. Yeah. That. Okay. That, that dude's a spy. He's got to be a spy. No one with that name would not would not be just a cook. You know. Yeah. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Looking for a brew unique to you? Find it at Kroger. Discover distinctly different chameleon organic ground coffee with flavors like Guatemala and dark and handsome. They're so organic, so sustainable, and so good. Visit Kroger today to get yours. Hey there, this is Erica Kelly, host of Southern Fried True Crime. I cover contemporary and historical cases, and I love listener suggestions. And like any good gossip, I'm interested in anyone and anything. Come join me as I explore the dark underbelly of the Deep South. I'm a one-woman show in a narrative format, kind of like sitting by the fire and listening to a story. So pull up a chair and subscribe if you're interested. I'd love to have you. You can find me on any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for Southern Fried True Crime. Until then, y'all take care.